Welcome to Street Knowledge with Chris Graham. Welcome to the podcast. I am Chris Graham. This is Street Knowledge and a fun guest for us here on this uh, episode. We'll be talking with the author of Hoop Dreams in Europe, American Basketball Players Building Careers Overseas. And we're going to welcome in the author, David Driver. David, welcome. Thanks, Chris. It's great to great to be on. I appreciate you having me. Well, I'm excited about this project. I'm a, I'm a big-time Hoops fan. Um, I, at least uh, during the basketball season, um, I, I cover Virginia athletics, UVA athletics uh, primarily uh, in my sports, in our sports section. And I keep up with the, the um, UVA alums who are overseas. And so I know um, a little bit about just from that standpoint of, of, you know, the different leagues, the different parts of the world that players play in and the different quality of leagues. And I'm, so th- this topic is, is, is great for me. And I want to ask first, just as an opening question, what, what made you think about, uh, a t- a, you know, diving into um, players playing uh, overseas? Well, so Chris, it, it kind of, in some ways it, it happened by accident. Um, um, my wife uh, got her de- doctorate degree in English literature at Maryland in 2002, 2003. And um, we, we went overseas to Hungary. She, she found a teaching position at a, at a really good university in Hungary um, in, in the fall of 2003. Um, we had two daughters at the time around the ages of nine and 11. I left my job as a sports editor of a weekly paper in Maryland, um, not knowing really what I was going to do. Um, fortunately the job allowed me the flexibility to, to basically take care of our daughters, make sure they got to school, which obviously when you're in Hungary, um, and some parts of the world, you know, navigating a new language, a new culture takes a lot of energy. So, so that was my main goal. Um, I, I did check around. I have a friend who actually worked for NPR. Um, he, he's our neighbor in the, in the suburbs of, of Maryland and, um, talked to him a little bit about maybe being a correspondent for NPR in Hungary, and that never really came to fruition. But um, so fortunately, by the time our daughters got acclimated with Hungarian schools, I had my mornings free. Um, so Eurobasket.com became my friend. Um, I got on there and, you know, you just click the country and you click Hungary and you see there's 12 teams at that time, 12 men's teams, and you can see the Americans that are listed. So that's kind of how it all got started. Um, there were maybe 20 American guys in Hungary in 2003. Um, I started tracking them down mostly by email um, and pitch stories uh, to American magazines and newspapers. So that's kind of how it started. Um, the, the first one I think was for Appalachian State's alumni magazine. Um, there was a guy who was an all Southern conference player, Chad McClendon, I think. Um, he was one of the first stories I did. Another Virginia connection. I did something for the CAA for their uh, basketball tournament program on on CAA alums that were uh, living overseas. So I went from Hungary and then kind of expanded as we went along. So I hope that's a, a, a not a too long winded answer to your first question. No, no, I think, it, and it also I think it's important to point out for our listeners out there, men's and women's players. You know, and we know that. I mean, you know, I, I think some some fans, hardcore fans of, of of men's basketball know that, hey, some of our guys go overseas and play. But for women, it's essential that they are able to go overseas. That's where the money's made. And so um, actually, uh, you know, for the men, maybe it's a, it's a secondary thing. A lot of those guys actually want to maybe do well in Europe. And if they have a chance, maybe come back and play in the NBA. But for the women, 
I mean, that's that's I mean, the WNBA. Yeah, fine. That's great. We're playing in the States in the summer for a couple of months. But in Europe is where they really make their big money. No. And, th- and that's become a hot button topic in the last year and even before that with pay discrepancy in the WNBA. So that's one of the things I'm actually proud about my book. Um, out of 36 chapters, I think maybe 10 or 11 are about American women. Um, my wife and I were fortunate to go to Spain in October. I, I got to see two women's games. I did something for the alumni magazine at Chapel Hill and the University of Min- Minnesota on two women who have, are playing in Spain this year. So that kind of bookended it for me, so to speak. Um, that gave me 18 years worth of stories. So um, yeah, I just I really do feel good about the fact that um, there's a number of women spotlighted in the book. Um, I've talked to some people. I've tried to find out just for my own interest, if there's any been books written about American women overseas, I've not been able to find any. So um, for what that's worth, um, but but I do feel good about that. I, you know, I've, I've written on that general topic in the last few weeks, just about the, the detention, ongoing detention of Brittany Griner. Sure. And how so many American women, uh, you know, some of them, our top stars, Griner, uh, D- uh, Diana Taurasi come to mind of qu- quite a few others made really big money playing for Russian oligarchs. And now that may dry up. And I see that a, a part of your experiences, uh, you you were in Russia in 2018, writing about Eric McCollum, the brother of CJ McCollum. Um, what were your experiences in Russia like? And that was 2018, so it's been a few years ago, but I imagine not a lot's changed in the last few years there. Wow, how, how long do you have, Chris? <laughs> uh, um, uh, uh, what, what an interesting experience to say the least. Um, my wife was fortunate to get a, 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 a scholarship or a, a Fulbright-like uh, scholarship in, for the academic year 2018-2019. Um, and so I was able to get to Russia for about a week during Christmas at that time. Um, was able to track down Eric before I went. And uh, it just so happened that he was playing in the city where my wife was teaching. So um, there were about five Americans on the team there. Um, I went, my wife and I went to the game, um, just went down courtside and after the game and, um, you know, he knew I was coming and I talked to Eric and a couple of the other American guys on the team. And, and, um, and one of the chapters is about him. And I'd actually seen his brother in Portland, Oregon, several, when he was a rookie and did a story for on him for a paper in Pennsylvania. So, um, yeah, I was only in Russia for a, a week. Um, uh, it was very cold. <laughs> uh, I'll put it. I'll put it mildly. Um, but uh, you know, in light of all that's happened in the last few months, um, wow. I mean, it, it's um, it's kind of surreal to be honest. Um, you know, I don't think a lot of Americans are going to be going to Russia anytime soon. I think that's probably putting it mildly. Um, but Russia, until this all happened, Russia was a great place for American men and women to go to play basketball. And Eric, and actually Eric has actually, I, I messaged him a few days ago. He has stayed. Um, he has stayed through the invasion playing for his team there in Russia. He's been there for several years. He's actually one of the all-time leaders uh, in EuroLeague basketball um, for, for a bunch of statistics, talking to an American in Germany about that. So um, that's a little bit of a snippet about Russia. It's one of 18 countries that I was able to go to to interview American players. So the, the title Hoop Dreams, and I'm thinking, you know, when I was talking earlier, I said, you know, for a lot of players, their, their dreams are to, to make it big in the States. You know, if you're a male playing the NBA, even the women want to play in the NBA, even if they're making more money overseas. Right. Um, 
what, what, what I'm sure your, your interviews ran the gamut of from, from players who um, were maybe just a, you know, just a something, a sliver away from maybe being in the NBA, especially, you know, the, obviously the male players to guys who were just ecstatic, ecstatic to be able to make a living playing basketball, no matter where it was. Um, was that your experience? I mean, you had the gamut of experiences there. Yeah, you, you've nailed it, Chris. I, um, you do find the range from, uh, I'll start at the lower end, a person that simply wants to play one or two more years. Um, they've got their college degree. They probably were really good academically. They can come back to the States and start a nine to five job. They just want to prolong, prolong that as long as they can. Um, my, my wife and I were able to go to Portugal in 2019. We met a woman who had just graduated from Davidson. She was playing in Portugal. We met her at a coffee shop in Lisbon. You know, she was doing, she, you know, she had had a great career at Davidson. And it turns out that was her only year. And you could tell that that was pretty much her plan. Um, come, you know, come, if you have a degree from Davidson or a lot of schools, you can come back and, and do other things here. But then you're right. You have um, men and women who need, need to make a living. Um, they may have children already at the age of 22 or 23. Their, their girlfriend or wife may or may not go with them to Europe. Um, so, and, and this is kind of stereotypical, but for a lot of men, um, American men, you know, that's their career. They, they have to find a job. Um, and what happens is, and for, is that I equate it to minor league baseball in the States. What happens in, in Europe is that maybe your first job is in Romania or Austria or Hungary, which happens a lot. And you try to move your way up. And you basically try to move your way up to the West. You want to get to Italy, France, Spain, or, or Germany. The further West you go, generally, the competition is better and the pay is better and the clubs take care of you better. That, that's a very generalized statement, but I think there's a lot of truth there. You know, one of the interviews I did for a book that I co-wrote in 2006 about the history of University Hall at the University of Virginia Sure. Um, we, we tracked down Patrick Height and I co-author of that book. We tracked down as many alums, both men and women, as we could uh, to share their memories. And, and and I don't remember the exact men's player it was, but he, he had a, a long career overseas. And he said at first he went over thinking, OK, I'll go here for a year or two. I'll play. And then I'm, my whole goal, though, is to play good enough, well enough to get the attention of the NBA front offices. And then I'll go back home. I'll, I'll play in the NBA. And after being overseas for a couple of years, he ended up loving it. The pay was not what the NBA was, but it wasn't, it was good. It was still right. really good, you know? Right. Uh, and also the, 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 um, in the league he was in uh, primarily uh, less travel, less games per week. Um, and the culture was, you know, it was almost like, Hey, I didn't want to be here, but I'm so glad I am here. Did you have any stories like that from the book? Uh, oh, certainly. Definitely. I, you know, I tried to ask, what, what was your aha moment? You know, for a lot of these people, they'd never have been outside the United States. They'd never been to Europe. And, and I think of, you know, I think of myself, you know, I, I grew up in, in Dayton just down the road from you. And, you know, I certainly was not a good enough athlete to play basketball at any level, but I just tried to imagine at the age of 21 or 22 going off to Europe, maybe by yourself for the first time. And I, I know I probably would not have had the maturity to do that. Um, so I'm just amazed at some of these people that do that. Um, and you're right. Um, I, I remember getting an email from a guy and, and I can't remember his name, American guy. He played at ODU. Um, I can't remember his name or I wouldn't say it anyway, but um, he, he, he was your typical American. He, he started out in Hungary. 
he ended up playing in five or six different countries. And I emailed him because, of course, we lived in Hungary for three years. So I, I got his email and, and he wrote back and said, you know, the dumbest thing I ever did was leaving Hungary. Um, I didn't I didn't I they took care of me. Um, they loved they just took care of me. I went to other countries. I got paid more, but it was more of a of a business. It was a grind. Now, that's not a common experience for everybody, but it just goes to show that a lot of times when you're younger, you know, you you maybe don't make the best decisions. I know I made a lot of dumb decisions when I was 20 something. So, yeah, you really run the ga- gamut, Chris, and you, you really nailed it on that one. How about now? So uh, these good experiences we're talking about, I'm sure, you know, there are experiences of, of men and women who maybe went thinking that the grass was greener, like you said there in that case, but maybe not even in the case of I'm getting paid more, but not getting treated as well. Maybe some cases where you're promised pay and maybe the pay isn't as forthcoming or the circumstances are dangerous. Like we're talking about now with Russia could perhaps be dangerous for guys like Eric McCallum. Any experiences like that to share? Yeah, sure. Um, and this is in the book and the forward. Uh, I talked to Eric Atkins, um, who's from Baltimore, point guard from Notre Dame, as you I'm sure remember, uh, all ACC player, um, was an assistant coach at George Washington this past season. Of course, they've had a coaching change, so I don't know where he is now. But I, um, Eric had played in Greece, and Greece is notoriously bad. <laughs> I'll just say that. Um, I, I talked to a lot of Americans for the book. Uh, you get paid late. Um, they may not give you what they promised. Just to let people know, generally, very generally, if you're an American or North American and you head to Europe, you generally, uh, they have an apartment that is paid for. Um, you may or may not have a car that is paid for, and you probably get a meal out. So you're your your costs are are very few, like maybe your phone, your Netflix. So you can really do a good job of if you put away your money. Um, and a lot of times it's tax free in most countries, especially when we were in Hungary. So if you're really prudent with your money um, and you play 10 years, say you make $100,000 a year and you play 10 years, do the math. OK, so. I, I kind of laugh when I hear sports talk radio, and I'm not talking about the Shenandoah Valley, but in big cities, they poo-poo, you know, a guy doesn't get drafted in the first two rounds. They, well, he's off to Europe, send us a postcard. And they and it's looked down upon, and they don't realize that these guys and women can make a very nice career. Now, maybe they don't get the publicity that they would in the States. I mean, some of the arenas in Hungary and, and other countries only hold a thousand or two thousand people, so it's a big change um, in a lot of ways. But you, you're getting to you're getting to see a different culture. You're getting to see places that you probably would have never been able to see. Um, so I think you know if you look at it as more than just basketball, um, what a great opportunity for people. You can even become a national hero. I'm thinking of uh, UVA alum Mike Toby. Uh, ends up playing a big role on uh, Team Slovenia, which I, I, I'm pretty. They were in the medal round. Did they end up winning a? Did they end up winning a medal in the the recent Olympics? I I can't. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't follow followed as much as I should. But if Slovenia is a beautiful country, um, we've been there a couple times. Basket, you know, part of the former Yugoslavia, um, where basketball is is huge. And I'll mention Serbia and Lithuania are probably the two European countries where basketball is bigger than soccer. Um, that's how that's how big basketball is in the former Yugoslavia. So, um, boy, Slovenia is Slovenia is uh, a beautiful place. Um, 
It's small. It's it's somewhat like Virginia. It's got green mountains. So I wouldn't poo-poo being in Slovenia. I think they – now that I think about it, I could, I could look it up real quick, but I think they, they were in the middle round. Uh, Luka Doncic, uh, star player of that team, but Toby sure. was the number two player on that team, and I think wow. he was lost in the middle round. But, uh, you know, there were the jokes on UVA Twitter about Mike Tobayevich uh, making his <laughs> yeah. debut for yeah. Slovenia, but he, he yeah. was a double-double machine for them and wow. just an example of, of how – um, you know, yeah, you can become a national hero, so to speak. I think yeah. what's I, one thing I'll ask about is is you, you talked about Eric McCollum. You just heard from him recently. How many of these uh, players who you profiled uh, do you keep up with regularly? Um, not a lot, to be honest. I don't I don't follow too many guys on Twitter. There is a Canadian guy who's in Spain right now. I, I enjoy following him. He posts photos of his children, and um, um, so I've enjoyed that. Um, yeah, um, I up, you know, of course, last fall, I spent a lot of time updating some of the stories that I had already done. And then, of course, we went to Spain in October, um, actually got to Ireland in March and, and, and interviewed two American guys there that unfortunately, the book had already come out. But so pretty much every time I go to Europe, I try to track down an American and, and do a story for, you know, alumni magazine or a newspaper. So, um, but yeah, I've kept in touch with a few people. Um, but not not as much maybe as I should. So for my local listeners here, this of course the podcast goes worldwide, but for the local listeners in the Valley, uh, a little bit about David, graduate of Turner Ashby High School, which uh, I know well. My sister-in-law is the athletics trainer up there, so up mm-hmm. in Bridgewater. Uh, you're a 1985 graduate of Eastern Mennonite University, and you're among other jobs you've had, uh, in addition to all this fun traveling around Europe, uh, you're the former sports editor of the Daily News Record up in Harrisonburg. So um a, a good grounding for our local listeners there that uh, uh, you're a local guy who's, who's traveled the world. Well, I, I've been very fortunate. I've actually worked for the news record twice. I don't know if that's a claim to fame I should make. Um, I worked there out of college in the eighties. And then I just finished about a year and a half there through the fall of last year uh, to, for your local listeners. I know, like you said, you have people all over. Um, the book does feature Kirby Burkholder, who graduated from Turner Ashby in 2010. I think I'm right about that. Then had a really nice career at JMU, uh, CA Player of the Year as a senior. And um, she just happens to be the daughter of my first cousin. So uh, I'll throw that out there right away. Um, she um, she has played all over. She actually played in Hungary. Uh, Christy Tolliver uh, from Harrisburg also played in Hungary. Neither one was there when we were there. Um, I sometimes feel like I'm I'm not stalking Christy. She went to the University of Maryland. My wife works at Maryland. Uh, she went to Harrisburg, of course. I went to Turner Ashby, so just it's kind of bizarre. Um, but yeah, so I I did get to talk, talk to Christy um, when she was with LA a couple of years ago, um, very briefly, and I've seen her over the years. So she her photos in there. Um, there's a little bit about Kirby Burkholder. She was very helpful. Um, she's been to Hungary, Poland, I believe, and just of course just played in the um, three. On, not, she played on the three at three on event, and then she was in Las Vegas just a couple months ago as well. So she's had a nice career as well. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, as we're wrapping up here, David, I think you you uh, you may have uh, a teaser for um, people out there about an upcoming project you're getting ready to work on. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll give you a, a breaking news story. Um, um, I actually am working on another book um, and it's going to be about baseball in Virginia um, kind of past, present and future uh, kind of snapshots of anything from high school to the majors uh, probably have about 60 different chapters trying to represent 
all areas of the state. Um, and I'm excited that this book, um, I'm going to work with a friend of mine and a, and a great colleague, Lacey Lusk, uh, who's from Richmond, went to UVA. So there you go, Chris, UVA connection. Uh, Lacey has covered the Nationals farm system since Washington came to town in 2005. Just a really great resource. He's worked for several papers in Virginia. Um, knows the college and minor league baseball beat better than anybody I know. So he's going to help me out. Um, we're hoping to publish, come out in July, hopefully. End of July, early August is what we're aiming for. And we're going to have stuff on the Valley League and the County League as well. So if, when, if I'm not a basketball guy, which I like to think of myself as a basketball guy, I'm a baseball guy. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I spent several years doing play-by-play in the Valley League in, in the last uh, close to decade now uh, doing play-by-play for VMI baseball and ESPN plus. Uh, and so, um, uh, yeah, if, if, if my, if I don't bleed basketball orange, I bleed baseball stitches, I guess, if you want, I don't know how that would work, but, uh, yeah, that, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And the Valley league part, uh, gosh, you know, all the years I've covered UVA baseball. Uh, and then I know there's a lot of baseball being played great a- across the state. There's a great history here with the, the summer leagues, as you mentioned, the Valley and the Rockingham County League, which date back so far back into our history. So many right. of those players who come through those leagues have ended up playing Major League Baseball. I'm sure there's a lot of good stuff for that book. I hope so. I- I'm planning to see Clover Hill and the Harrisburg Turks next weekend and then get down to Salem to see the Red Sox. Um, we're going to include all five minor league affiliates, of course, there's only five left now, as you know. There, there were more unfor- uh, a few years ago, but they've unfortunately been—I uh, don't know what the word is—relegated. <laughs> I guess the European word is relegated. I relegated, guess, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. One whole league got relegated. The Appalachian yeah, League, the yeah, whole yeah, got yeah. Relegated. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's. Yeah. Uh, look forward to that. Well, David Driver again. The book that's out now is called "Hoop Dreams in Europe: American Basketball Players Building Careers Overseas." For our listeners. Uh, on the podcast, whether you're Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're coming from, we will have a link on our Augusta Free Press website to uh, how you can actually just go straight and buy the book. So I uh, hope that'll help things out for you. Uh, and David, we hope to have you back on pretty soon. Talk more about baseball, basketball, whatever else comes to mind. Great, Chris. I would enjoy that. Thank you so much. Thanks, David. And for our listeners out there, thank you as well. And everyone have a great day.